Hello, I'm Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and retreat leader. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast, head on over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website at paulajenkinsonline.com. Hi friends, and welcome to episode 18 of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the podcast, I have an interview with Marla Silly, who also goes by the name The Fly Lady. And she runs the extremely popular blog and website at flylady.net. She has been extremely influential in my own journey. Back in 2004, when I was coming out of a divorce, I was looking for a new way of thinking and discovered her and her work. Her work is unlike anything I have seen before. It's amazing because on the one hand, it is about organization and getting your life and home in order, but on the other, it is about a whole new way of thinking. And as she will explain to you, the fly part of Fly Lady stands for finally loving yourself. So I invite you to listen along um, since this is part of the Love Your 2016 series. It's a great way to start the year and you'll hear that Marla's journey also started on a New Year's Day resolution. If you're new, I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming over and listening. I hope you'll really enjoy this conversation with Marla. And I invite you to look around the last couple of episodes. So 16 is about setting heart-centered goals, which I think will really resonate with you if you love Fly Lady already. And then episode 17 is with Brooke Sydney Jackson, and we talk about authentic mothering, and she also just released uh, a brand new planner. If you would like to find out more about this episode, just jump over to jumpstartyourjoy.com slash flylady, and you will find the show notes there. And as part of the Love Your 2016 series, go over and download my 10 in 3 worksheet that goes along with episode 16, and that'll get you started on setting some heart-centered goals for this year. So without further ado, I bring to you the interview with Marla Silly. Welcome to the show, Marla. Glad to be here. So as a first question, as a child, what were your early sparks of joy? I don't remember a lot of joy from childhood. Uh, We had a pretty rough bringing up. I guess some of the things that I do remember were Christmas at my grandmother's house, singing in the car, and sitting on my grandfather's lap when it would be a thunderstorm on the carport, Mm. and we'd be sitting out there. So, And raking leaves, which I hated the smell of smoke. It would make me sick. And then, but we, my grandmother had a lot of maple trees, and I mean, so many of them. We would make these huge piles of leaves, and we would jump in them and make ton, you know, tunnel in them. And at my grandmother's house were a lot of woods, and we would go walking in these woods. You know, people don't even let their kids get out in the backyard or front yard anymore. But we was, we were all over the place. And there was a culvert that went under the road, and we could go over to the woods on the other side of the road. And there were wild, we call them march flowers, but they're jonquils. And we would come in with armloads, of, as little girls, with armloads of these march flowers. Mm-hmm. And Granny would put a, a drop of food coloring in a vase and turn 
turn it blue or green or whatever and these little dots would appear on the top of the flowers as it would suck the water in so <laughs> I love that. so the, those are the little things most of the joy that I felt was at my grandmother's I learned to sew at her house and it still brings me great joy to you know rekindle that learning I want to teach my granddaughter how to sew so I've gotten I bought a sewing machine that my the type of sewing machine that my father gave me when I was 12 years old mm-hmm. and because it's still at my ex-husband's house and he won't give it to me. So I just bought another one just like it. So <laughs> on eBay, you can find anything on eBay. So that's <laughs> you what can, brings yeah. me joy. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very sweet. I have some similar memories of like learning to sew, strangely with my grandfather, you know, and like using a, a little bit of toilet paper to learn first, like the first stitches, like... <laughs> Just so sweet. Thank you. Um, and of course, you're the fly lady at flylady.net. Um, and I've been a I've been a fly baby, which is is Marla's word for the followers. Oh, it's it's not my word. Somebody no, came up with that as well as our acronym, which yes. what it Would stands you, for. I didn't I didn't plan on any of this. So. Right. Would you walk us through how Fly Lady came to be and and what where you started? Well, in 1999 was a pretty tough year for most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this fear that the world was going to collapse when the clocks rolled over to a new millennium at 2000 because computer programmers hadn't thought about the clocks turning over and they may not have prepared. So there was this uh, panic that set in mm-hmm. and People were scared and, you know, being prepared is one of the things, you know, I was a Girl Scout and it's important to to be ready for just about anything. And so I got prepared that year thinking about it. And then people wanted to, you know, know what was going on. And I started helping people online and somebody asked for my help and I didn't waste any time about it. I set up an email group and... The rest is history. The first mm-hmm. year, 10,000 people joined. The next year, there were 60,000. Right now, we're between social media and email group, we're right at 800,000 members. Wow. That's amazing. I can see why, though. Like, the joy that you bring to things, but also the really, it's a different way of thinking. And I think, I mean, just having experienced it, so many of us get caught up in kind of the perfectionism and the people pleasing, which I think are so closely tied. And your approach is so different. Do you want to explain? I don't know. I love, obviously, where I think it started, which is shining your sink. Would you tell us about the first time you did that? Well, I woke up on New Year's Day. And here we are in a brand new year. Mm -hmm. And we all make those New Year's resolutions. And my New Year's resolution in 1999 was to get organized and and thankfully it's the last new year's resolution i made Mm. but what is get organized so i sat down trying to get organized and it's such a broad topic what is it you know getting your house in order you know making sure your calendar runs smoothly so that you don't miss appointments you know what is get organized and the only thing that ever helped me for any length of time was pam young and peggy jones card files but I was obsessive compulsive. If one card worked, 500 cards would work better. And then I would get overwhelmed and I would stick my card file tray. It wasn't a box. It was a tray that was 18 inches long with lots of dividers and months and days of the week and 
Oh, it was just obsessive. I would stick it under the kitchen sink and forget about it. And then I would want to get organized and I'd pull it back out. Well, that New Year's Day, I live in the South and we say whatever you do on New Year's Day, you're going to do every day for the rest of the year. So we don't wash dishes. We don't do laundry. We don't, you know, we don't <laughs> sweep the floors. We, we don't want to get stuck into that. Well, with this card file system, I just started trying to figure out why it wouldn't work for very long for me. Mm-hmm. And what I came up with was that I had never established a habit. And that one thing, you know, I tried to do everything at once. Oh, you know, we pride ourselves on multitasking. I sorted the cards out. There were different colored cards. And I did the pile of yellow, the pile of blue, the pile of green. Then I started subsorting the daily cards and the weekly cards and the monthly cards. And the daily pile was 52 cards. Oh, my word. It was a stack of cards. And I thought, well, I can't do all those. No. Can't do all those. So I thought, well, I'll make a list, by golly. I'll make a list. (laughs) It was the front and back of a sheet of paper. And I was overwhelmed again. Mm -hmm. And that's when it, it hit me that I had never established a habit. So I pulled out Pam and Peggy's book and played with it a little bit. And there's a page in there that says, when one item becomes a habit, you get to throw the card away. Well, I never threw a card away. I just kept collecting more. So I took those 52 cards, laid them all out, and decided I would practice one habit a month. And my first habit was keeping my sink clean and shining. And I picked that because my husband, when we got married in 96, he asked me politely if I would just leave one side of our double sink open so he could make me coffee every morning. And it it made him happy to have one side of the sink open instead of two sinks filled with, you know, mystery water and dirty dishes, (laughs) you know, where you have to take the barbecue tongs to pull the plug. Yes. (laughs) So... It made him really happy. So I picked the shiny sink for him, not realizing that it was going to be so profound in my life. Yeah. So that shiny sink took me two hours that day to shine our sink. Robert built the house in the mid-70s. We have hard water. That hard water leaves a crusty film around everything. Mm-hmm. I practically had to take a chisel to the sink and around the faucet mm-hmm. and, you know, all the things that you have to do. And then I buffed it. It was stainless steel. I buffed it with some steel wool. And, you know, it looked like a brand new penny when I was finished. Hmm. Except it was stainless steel, not copper. And, (laughs) you know, when a sink is that clean and shiny, you don't dare put a dirty dish in it. And you need a place to put your dirty dishes, which is your dishwasher that's usually full of clean dishes. I made sure that the dishwasher got emptied. The countertops got cleaned off because when you have a sink that clean and shiny, you want the rest of the kitchen to kind of match it. Now, my only habit was keeping the sink clean and shiny. And I picked doing it for a whole month because as a sidetracked person, we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater when we miss a day. Mm -hmm. So I decided I would give myself a little grace. And that was not taking 21 days to establish a habit, but doing it for the whole month. So I gave myself a 10-day grace period. And what better way to do something than to, when you miss a day, you just say, oh, well, 
jump back in where you are yeah. and just like you never missed a day. And one of the things I realized on that New Year's Day was that I had a bad habit beating myself up. So I decided to change the way I talked to myself, to be kinder, more gentler with my own self. You know, we wouldn't speak to our children with the way we speak to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that was my second resolution when I started figuring it all out. That's when, you know, I just said, I'm going to be kind to me. So being kind to me and getting organized were those two resolutions for 1999. Mm-hmm. And they stuck. And every month I practiced a new habit. So the first one was keeping my sink clean and shiny. The second one was decluttering for 15 minutes every day. And I love um, kind of like where I found you, the crossroads. I was um, getting a divorce. I don't even know how I first found you online, but there was just something that resonated so strongly because there was all this negative I mean, I'm a life coach now, so you'll get some of the coachy words from me, but like all this negative self-talk about how I wasn't good enough. And I didn't blame myself for the marriage failing or anything, but just that I wasn't good enough and that I couldn't even keep a house clean. And there was all that. And then it was so simple and such a breath of fresh air that like, hey, I could do this. I could shine a sink. Like, and then as you said, like everything kind of cascades and falls into place. But I think the piece that was so special and like amazing was jump in where you can each day. Like don't beat yourself up over it. And that, I mean, that was just a game changer for me. So thank you. You're welcome. But you did it. I did it. Yes. Yeah. You did it. You know, it just took somebody planting that seed in you. Yes. And that simple little seed took root and look where you are now because of that one simple, you know, getting rid of the negative self-talk. My grandmother always said, can't never could do anything. (laughs) If you don't think you can, you won't. Right. But if you think you can, you will. And that's what, you know, being positive is all about. And loving yourself, finally loving yourself. You spent all these years beating yourself up. It's all about finally loving yourself. Yeah. I think that's so Perfect for this kind of New Year's show. You're giving me a heart attack. What? You said the word perfect. Oh, it's so imperfect. <laughs> so great. You know, I enough. want that word, you know, removed from the dictionary as a as a, an, an adjective because yes. there's only one thing that is perfect, mm-hmm. and that's our Heavenly Father. So yeah. we and Jesus and, and the Holy Ghost, you know, it's but yeah. when we describe everything as perfect. We're teaching our children to strive for something that's unattainable. Yes. And that's why you've been beating yourself up because you weren't the perfect housekeeper. You weren't the perfect wife. You weren't the perfect mother. All of this just plays heavy on us because we're striving for this perfection that can never be attained. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So I will not strike it from the podcast, but you're totally right. I think there was something so great in knowing that I did not, I mean, ironically have to be perfect and that it wasn't even something I could get to. (laughs) That was like really special and helpful. So yeah, I totally, it was, it's a different way of thinking. And now that I have a child, that's, you kind of see how it could play out that sometimes old habits of what maybe you heard or even society says all the time is like, 
I repeat things and then I go, wait, I don't want to teach that to this person. Like, that's not what I want to give him to go forward with. So, But that's yeah. what was given to us. And we have to yeah. forgive the people that did that to us because our parents taught us, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't want to listen to anything they said, but that got pushed down in us so deep that that's why we procrastinate because we can't do it as well as they think we should have. And so we beat ourselves up and we do nothing. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's easier in some way. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt as much. Maybe is that what it's not, it's not easier. No, because I think every, every problem in the world boils back down to perfectionism. Mm. Let's look at terrorism. My religion's better than yours. Mm. Yeah. Let's look at not being able, you know, procrastination and not doing things in the house. Well, I don't have, I don't have enough time. I don't have the perfect amount of time to make my house sparkle. Well, mm. you have 15 minutes. You have two minutes. You have five minutes. Anything is better than what you didn't do yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I like that a lot. That kind of, if you do unpack it all the way to the base, it is that the perfectionism does come into play. And just think about people who are addicted to mm. to substance abuse and they don't think they're as good as other people. So they have to drown those negative feelings in alcohol or drugs or painkillers or whatever it is. Or yeah. food. I wrote a book about that. Oh, I love that book. That is a good, good book. That's a game changer. I mean, it totally was a game changer for me. That's body clutter oh, um, for yeah. Our listeners. <laughs> yeah, food can be a total addiction. And I don't remember exactly specifically what you said about it, but the thing that stuck with me was looking at the, the foods that you associate, probably that you go to when you're feeling stressed out or not perfect or whatever it is. And then kind of, if I get this right, but the, the memories that you associate with them. Right. And it's usually like something to escape. It's not just the food. It's the escaping to a place it's, or a time. Yeah, and, and I explain this in great detail in mm-hmm. Body Clutter about um, my go-to comfort food is mac and cheese. Mm. Yes. Because it filled an emptiness at a time when I was, my mother had shipped me off to camps all summer long. I mean, I went to three camps. And one of them was a two-week camp during summer vacation. And I came home one week, and there was no food in the house, none. Mm. There was a bag of dried macaroni, elbows, and a can of cream of uh, cheese soup, Campbell's cheese soup. Mm -hmm. And that's all that was in the house. And I read, I was 12, I read the directions, cooked the mac and cheese and poured the can of soup with some there wasn't even milk in the house and just melted the soup into the mac and cheese Mm -hmm. and that's all I had to eat Mm -hmm. because mother wasn't around yeah so that was my go-to food I I don't cook it very often I can cook it but I don't Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it's just important to recognize for my assistant hers is ice cream Mm, yeah that was a it was something that she and her dad did every day for Leanne Ely who was a co-writer on Body Clutter Mm -hmm. for her it was Cadbury chocolate Mm. her father would bring it home from England and they would sit and eat a whole bar together 
Mm. So you've got to look at what the food memory gets evoked in your brain yes. when yeah. you're eating it. And that's an endorphin. It's it's a painkiller. Yeah. So and, think about those things. Yeah. And for me, it was so powerful because mine is totally chocolate and peanut butter, not Reese's necessarily. That's a good standby if, if that's the only thing available. But my grandmother used to make bug eyes or buck eyes, as yes. most people call them. <laughs> and those would be shipped every Christmas um, to us in an enormous box, you know, and that was one of the things. And I would just, I would, it meant that grandma was near and grandma loved us. And there's something really special about that. I'm even getting a little misty eyed now, but like she passed away when I was 10 and there was something deeply ingrained with me with those very, very special candies that if, if things just weren't right, I could go back and feel like I was 10 and grandma was around. So realizing that kind of then unlocked it. Like, Grandma always loves me. It doesn't matter if I'm eating peanut butter and chocolate. So, yeah, it was special to realize that. And thank you for writing that book. I think if anybody's wondering why or how they can get a, or look at food and eating in a different way, I think that was so helpful for me. So, I totally, I, highest recommendations <laughs> for that thank one. You. Yeah. So, if we go back kind of to the resolutions or the New Year's Day kind of mentality, I, I don't know. How would you? I mean, I know how you did approach it. What are you guys doing around New Year's this year? Well, we start with keeping our sink clean and shiny. We go back to basics. Mm-hmm. And that's really all New Year's resolutions are, is yeah. starting fresh. You know, New Year's Day is, you know, any day can be a New Year's Day if you choose. Any, you can start any day over. You can start any month over. You can start any year over. You just have to decide that today's the day. Um, my friend Eric Dodge just wrote a book called Why Not Today? And it's all about not putting off till tomorrow what you can do today and how following his dreams has changed his life. The song that he sang on my CD, Why Not Today, and the album he created around that song, Why Not Today, it's just some powerful music. And when we speak together at events he always ends it with this song why not today and we just have to ask ourselves what can we do today that we've been putting off that could make tomorrow just a little bit easier what are you waiting for (laughs) yeah and coupled with your your kind of philosophy if you will of the 15 you could do anything for 15 minutes of (laughs) which changed my life as well but like that if you really take that to heart going and cleaning a yucky bathtub, well, it's only 15 minutes of your time, and it's going to be better than when you started. So, but guess what? Hmm. You can clean the bathtub when you're in it. Yes. Oh, I do now, yes. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to wait. You don't have to bend over the tub and clean your bathtub. You sit your butt down in it, and you clean the bathtub with the same soap that you're putting on your body. Yes. And it's amazing. And when you get little kids in a bathtub, they love to clean. Mm-hmm. They do. You just yeah. have to show them. Now, last week we had a picture go viral on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, into the millions of views. And it wasn't even our picture. It was just one we shared. And what, what it was all about was that bathtub, that dirty bathtub. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you have, 
if you have children and little children, you know about all the the bathtub toys that are oh. everywhere. Well, this picture was about some little little plastic crates that you get at the dollar store mm-hmm. that you put little shower hooks through and you hang them up against the bathtub wall with a shower rod that's a tension rod. Mm-hmm. And these bathtub toys have are out of the way. You have a different one for each child or you have different categories of bathtub toys. And you, you put four of them on there and they drip dry into the tub. They're not in the tub when you're trying to take a shower. And this is a silly little picture, but it made a lot of people happy last week. Yeah. <laughs> because, I remember seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it went, it's the first time we ever had anything go viral. Wow. And it wasn't even our picture. It was just a picture that Liz had found on Pinterest or a friend had posted that she shared. Yeah. And in one day, it had had a million views. How crazy. Yeah. That that idea was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, this, yeah, it gets it up out of the water. It means, like, everything is drip drying, like you said, and, like, leaves space. And and it changes the kids to put things away. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's not mommy doing it. It's the kids putting the toys in the little little bins before they get out of the tub. And, you know, you hand them a washcloth and say, wipe down the tub while you're in there. Mm-hmm. And they'll do it. And they have fun with it. And it yeah. doesn't have to be caustic cleaner. It's just soap. Soap is soap. Yeah. And early on, that even says, like, I can imagine for my son who's five of like, hey, just wipe down the tub. It says to him. Like there, it, again, it's like quietly saying that there's no perfect way and it doesn't have to be a set aside time where we all start cleaning together and it has to be done just so. Because I think that's what comes into a lot of people's minds when they're looking at, I'll use air quotes around chores, you know, cleaning a lot of times as little kids, when, as we were growing up, there was a right and a wrong way to do something. So then when we're looking at doing the chores, I think that comes in as well. And again, more perfectionism, giving ourselves the permission to say, this is my house and good enough is good enough. Like that's a beautiful, maybe that, and that ties so closely to the be kind to me thing that you realized in 1999, like there's power in that too. Well, the only wrong way to clean house is not to do it. It's Mm -hmm. to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Jump in where you are, forget about yesterday and do what you can today. Even if it's just two minutes. I mean, when you hear yourself say the words, this is this is a, a cue for everybody. When you hear yourself say the words out loud or in your head, I don't have time. I want you to set your timer for just two minutes. Now, put hold up two fingers like you're going to flash the peace sign. Mm-hmm. Two minutes is two minutes toward peace. Mm-hmm. It's not 15 minutes. It's not overwhelming. It's two minutes. So if you spend two minutes dusting your living room, look at what you've done. You've eliminated that negativity that says, you know, dust me. Somebody's written in your dust. Uh, You know, you've eliminated (laughs) you thinking, oh, I need to do that. You've done it. Two minutes. Yeah. And then it feels like more is possible. Like once you've just taken the first, the baby step, if you will, but then see, it seems like more is possible because you see that little clean spot or you see that, hey, it didn't take that much to, to unload the dishwasher. Well, it's about celebrating. Yeah. 
It's yeah. celebrating the successes. Yesterday I posted on Facebook and I said, you know, celebrate the simple successes. You know, to eliminate negative thinking, practice celebrating the simple successes. Now, don't wait till the house is totally clean and then celebrate. Celebrate the floors, the puppy toe prints you got off the floor or the, the kid fingerprints you got off the window. And it's as it, it doesn't have to be a huge celebration. It could be sit down with a cup of tea mm-hmm. or a, a cup of hot chocolate or just a glass of water and say, look, I did it. Now, mm-hmm. people might think, you know, it's kind of nuts <laughs> if, you know, if you say, oh, I'm celebrating. I got the the puppy toe prints off the floor. Well, I watched my husband at Thanksgiving. I gave mm-hmm. him a list of, list of things that, no, he made up a list of things. I didn't give him a honeydew list. He made his own list. <laughs> and so he got the, he, he took a purple rag and he cleaned the doors and window, the front door and the back door. And he was so happy with himself. He said, come look. I got all the, the paw prints off the doors, the muddy paw prints. Mm-hmm. He was celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we went to him and said, look at my clean kitchen sink, you know, that would not go over well. <laughs> <laughs> but they have such childlike spirits, and we have to celebrate that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it comes into, like, leading by example. Everything we teach our children, we teach them best by example. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if you're not using a wall calendar and you're just using something on on, on your phone, they're, they're not going to learn right. how yeah. to use a calendar. That's been our problem. We have had other people, you know, we try to juggle all these things in our heads. And if you don't have a calendar that is big enough for the whole family to see from across the room so that they can see that they have something to do today, you are doing your family a disservice. Yeah. Because that's how five-year-olds learn to read. That's how they know if they can have a play date. When, and that's how they know what a week is or a day. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. the advent calendar is really wonderful because you're counting the days off. Well, you can do the same with just about any activity. Say you're planning a trip to the zoo or to the the planetarium or just whatever. You can count the days off. Mm-hmm. and mark them off and put big smiley faces on there when when you get jobs done and well I don't like the word jobs but you know mm-hmm. every child needs responsibilities and we like to call things around the house blessing right yeah because it's blessing the family when they pick up their toys and mm-hmm. and put things away that belongs to them yeah yeah and I can attest that having a calendar out in a public space, I say that as, as if our house is public, but like someplace that everyone can see, then it does encourage the conversation even of, hey, what are we doing Saturday? Oh, well, I put it on the calendar. And then, you know what I mean? Then we don't start to overschedule ourselves and there's not that uncomfortable conversation later of, but I thought we were doing this and you told me. Once it's just something you do, it, it stops some of the, either the overlap or the even the negative pieces that sometimes come up when people really haven't talked about what they're doing? Well, if it's on the calendar, it gets done. If it's not on the calendar, it's not real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So scheduling things on a calendar and color coding them. So let's just say you have a family activity. You're all going ice skating on Saturday. And the whole family gets a color. 
Now, if it's just Billy that's going ice skating with his friend, it gets his color. Right. If yeah. it's mommy and daddy have have date night, it's you know it's just you two. So you you could stripe it, you know, with the two of you, mm-hmm. and you would know that you have to get a sitter and all the things that come along with planning something ahead. We sort of fly by the seat of our pants, right? And we just sort of expect things to happen. Well, if you don't get them on the calendar and don't look forward to it, you know, half the half the fun of having something on the calendar is the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have dread, that may be something you need to think about you don't want to do anymore. Right. It's time to release whatever that thing is, if it feels like an obligation or right. so something. Yeah. When, when I first got organized, I did it because I was going to become a county commissioner in my little county of Transylvania County, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. what I was scared to death that the men on the board, there was only five of us and four of them were men. We're going to find out my dirty little secret. And that was that I couldn't keep house. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get organized is so that I would be able, I would have the time to devote to being an elected official in my county and not feel guilty. I wanted to eliminate the guilt. Well, in some meeting, and you have lots of meetings when you're a county commissioner, <laughs> Uh, at one meeting, somebody wanted to know what my motto was, if I had a personal motto. And all of a sudden, I just blurted out something. And it was to to find joy in everything I do and to be a devoted, loving wife to my sweet darling. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I have realized that all I need was the first part because fewer mm-hmm. the, the fewer words you use, the better it is in a motto because you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. And I realized to find joy in everything I do. Yeah. I don't need the second part. If I'm doing the first part, I am the second part. That's gorgeous right there. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes. And so finding joy, and that goes to that one thing you've got on the calendar that you get this little sick stomach feeling that you really don't want to do, that's not finding joy. Yeah. Now, you may have to do some things you're not real fond of because, you know, a daughter and you have parents that need to be taken care of and that are sick and those sort of things. There are responsibilities in being in a family. You have to do those things. But, you know, if it's the cookie swap or, you know, whatever it is, and you don't like doing it, don't do it anymore. Do the best thing you possibly can do for yourself, and that is learn to say no. And you don't have to explain yourself. You just have to practice saying, no, I can't do that right now. My calendar's pretty full. And if you don't have your calendar with you, you've got a good excuse. You know, I have to check my calendar when I get home. And then you can just, you know, RSVP. No, we can't come. One of the pieces that I learned somewhere along the way, some powerful words there are, let me get back to you. If you're one of those people that is a natural people pleaser and you're like, well, I really like part of me saying, yes, I should do this. But the powerful words of let me get back to you gives you the space to then, you know, do get back to them, but say no in your own time. I mean, with enough 
forewarning. Well, let me change that a little bit for you. Yeah, what would you say? I would not say let me get back to you because that puts the ball in your court. Mm, Yeah. You say call me later tonight, let me check my calendar. Then it puts the ball in their court. That's smart, yeah. And then if they don't call or they realize you were kind of putting them off, they might not call back. You know, people think stay-at-home moms or homeschooling moms have all the time in the world because they don't work, you know? Oh, yes. yes. But that's not the case. And you put the ball in their court, they have to deal with it. And then that gives you time to practice saying, no, we have something scheduled on that day. Yeah. Well, and I think that is so hard. I mean, one of the things that was popping up in my head was around everything changes when you, well, when you get married and then when you have kids and even the best skills that I had before I had a child, well, you can kind of throw all that out when you now have this new little person in your life because <laughs> many of those same skills now don't work as well. I mean, getting getting organized and having a calendar and all those pieces serve you super well. Learning to say no becomes a whole different task because now your priority is on really on family and on this little person. And I think that's a huge shift and change for people. I don't know, do you... Do you hear a lot of that with the, the fly babies? Well, of- what, what I see is they do really well with one child. Yeah. You throw the second child into the mix and you are in trouble mm-hmm. yeah. because you're juggling two people and a husband and, the, you know, the family and it's not working as easily as it did with one. And that's when the procrastination because of the perfectionism gets in there and makes things, makes the chaos happen. And the chaos stands for can't have anyone over syndrome. Which is hard because then you feel isolated and in your own home, <laughs> yes. which is rough. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of the fly babies come to find you and in, in what you guys do after that second child or is it kind of all across the board? What happens is every time a child is born, they, as they put it, they fall off the bandwagon. They don't realize they really need me more at that point when they don't think they have time to even read our emails. That's when we need to be in their heads, eliminating the negativity. You know, they give up before they've ever established a habit. That's what's so sad. My nephew, who is a college student at Duke, been around Fly Lady since he was six years old. (laughs) He got a fellowship an entrepreneurial fellowship, and he needed a project. So last spring, about a year ago, he wanted to do this survey with the fly babies. And he had three or 4,000 people, I think, do the survey. Wow. What it boiled down to is they thought they were doing fly lady wrong. Hmm. And it broke my heart because there is no wrong way to do fly lady except not to do it. There's right. Just anything you do is better than what you didn't do yesterday. and. So he set about trying to figure out a way for a fee. And this, you know, his business has nothing to do with what we do other than I gave him the right to use the name and I had to talk to his professor and all kinds of things. So what he came up with was hand-holding, much like you do, mm-hmm. but for a fee and meet with them on Skype once a week and help people to establish habits. And you do it over a six-week, two-month period of time, and you see the changes that happen just because they have someone holding them accountable. 
and you have you have had this joy too yeah and it is amazing kind of once you put your mind to it and made the commitment even if you do have an off day or four yes <laughs> like then you start to see the progress and the progress will buoy you along even on the days when you're too tired or too sick or you were awfully busy or whatever it is as long as you keep going back to it like you just said there's no wrong way to to, to make change the it's the baby stepping if you will of your program yes like but it's just recognizing that and then like you said earlier was just celebrating each of the things because it's not easy and i think maybe that's where some people get hung up as well is is recognizing that any change is hard and the emotions keep coming back up and maybe it's even the, the very first baby steps are the hardest because you hear all of the negative self-talk or all of those voices saying, well, there's a right way to clean this sink. There's, you're not doing this right, you know, or if you don't do it every day, then you're worth not. Whatever the story is in your head, like getting out of that and just saying, nope, I love myself and, and my sink is clean and that's all I'm listening to today. Well, like, I want to replace those negative yeah. voices in your head with my voice. Yes. <laughs> and at at a point in time, that voice changes from me to you mm-hmm. doing the positive coaching, the positive cheerleading. Yes. I'll be that positive voice for you if you will allow me to get into your head. And that's what the emails are about. Mm-hmm. We do behavior modification with email. That's what Facebook is about. We do behavior modification on Facebook. We let you look at things from a little different standpoint. Yeah. And before you know it, you're hearing the fly lady voice (laughs) because she's sitting on your shoulder. And we have podcasts. We have hundreds and hundreds of podcasts that are on our website that you can listen to at any time. We have a crisis cleaning audio podcast that walks you through crisis cleaning your home. Yep. We have a weekly home blessing hour podcast that in 60 minutes you can get your home blessed doing seven tasks that get things done. I do one a day. I have it yeah. posted on my bathroom wall what today is. If it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's a, an item that gets done every day via this little list. And it just, it changes your whole attitude. You go from, oh, I didn't do that yesterday, so look what I did. And it's all about celebrating to eliminate those negative voices. And there's something so beautiful about the way you approach this, too. I mean, back to my kind of own personal journey, you have these lovely pens that say, they're purple, which, of course, is your signature color for people who are new to you. And it says, I'm so proud of you. And I will tell you what, when I was kind of first starting out on making all the changes, those pens, I put one in the purse, one in the work bag. I would look down at that. It was another way for me to start believing. And it was funny because when I I emailed Michelle, I said, I think this pen said I believe in you, but that's just what they meant to me. Like I would pick it up and be like, that's right. I'm so proud of myself and I'm going to do this, whatever this thing is. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, the other thing that's amazing about those pens is if you let anybody else hold one, you won't get it back. everybody wants a pen that says that someone is so proud of them but some of that is that emotional and and behavior modification and it was somewhat of hearing your voice of knowing that someone even at a distance was proud of what I could do and and then believing it myself so it was really special those pens are ingenious (laughs) well I have a I have a story about the pen yeah um 
that's one of our first items that we put in our fly shop. And it yeah. went went out with every calendar we sold. You know, it, you get this, this kit that comes with the calendars if you buy the kit. And this, you know, I'm so proud of you pen is with it. And it doesn't have the fly lady name on it. It just says, I'm so proud of you. Well, Michelle and I were traveling somewhere one time, and we have learned over the years that we need to leave a day early. We need to get to where we're going the day before. Sometimes we're due two days because Michelle makes me play a little bit when we travel. <laughs> That's and, great. And so, and Michelle is a joyful person. She she loves to have fun and loves to see things. And she she gets me out of my hotel room. Yeah. So we were at the airport in Asheville, North Carolina, and there was plane problems, and our flight got canceled, flat out canceled. We lived 30 minutes from the airport, was no big deal, but I watched these mean people berate this, this beautiful flight attendant who was mm-hmm. handling the desk. I just sat back and waited and waited and waited till the line was gone, and I went up to her, and I handed her, and I'm so proud of you, Penn, and I said, you're an amazing person. The way you handle these nasty people, everybody should have seen what you did. And she looked at me and tears started rolling down her face. And she looked at the pen and she said, well, when you know, she's trying to do her job. And I said, we're not under any pressure. We can come back tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue for us. She got us on the next flight out. She got us first class seats. First time I'd ever flown first class <laughs> mm. from Atlanta to Salt Lake City or LA. I don't know where we were going, but we got first class seats because of the kindness. Mm-hmm. But it was her kindness uh, to the all these people that were in the face of the rudeness that was happening. She held herself together, and it was her job to do that. But mm-hmm. she did it with such grace that somebody needed to recognize it. And I just keep those pins in my purse and I hand them out randomly. Yeah. Just, you know, because they're so, not not to get, you know, first class seats, but to tell people they've done a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Well, and how sweet that I would have been blown away, especially knowing who you are blown away to, have, you know, met you in person. But like, how sweet just to tell someone they're doing a good job and and sadly how infrequently that probably happens that a stranger would notice or say yeah. it yeah. to to someone else. Mm. Yeah. So those are special pens. They really are. And if anybody's listening and wants them, I I uh, I'll link them up, but <laughs> they're very cool. You can buy a pack of them for t- you know, there's 10 in a package and We've got pencils that say, I'm so proud of you, and parents love these pencils because they hand these pencils out in, in stockings and for good jobs that people have done at school and different things. So yeah, we have teachers who give them out at school, too. Yeah, that's a very, that's a, that's a cool idea, too. Or just to give them to the teacher as a thank you gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she can use them however she wants to. Right, yeah. So if someone listening has a big dream about how they can make a change in the world, what advice would you give them about bringing their dream into action? You got to get your home in order. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's teaching school, homeschooling, whatever it is. If your house is not in order, it's always going to be pulling you away from what you want to do. So 
learning to pick up after yourself, establishing simple habits is going to propel you to through that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and You're living I, proof. You are living proof. Yeah, I guess. I really kind of am. I mean, and let's be honest, it's taken a while to, like, feel like I have stuff in order. But, yeah, it then made room. And this last year has just been huge that way, that this last year is when I got certified as a life coach. So it meant I had to have a basis and an organization model to support it. And if that stuff wasn't there, I knew I couldn't do what I needed to do. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> yes, I am. And it's been unreal to then follow the passion and the purpose as well and and get there. Thank you, Marla, so, so much for the inspiration and for listening to your, your passion and, and putting all this stuff out there just to help other people and spread joy. It's, well, it's been a joy, Paula. Likewise, Marla. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marla, for that amazing interview. And so in episode 19, guess what? Marla is coming back for a second interview. And we are going to talk about some of the more um, pragmatic and planable pieces of decluttering your home and getting your home in order for 2016. And I assure you that just as this first interview pulled in a lot of that awesome philosophy as well, so will episode 19. So I hope you will come back next week when we air that episode. And if you're looking for a life coach, as I mentioned to Marla, or that is my new career, head on over to Jumpstart Your Joy. And along the top, there is a tab that says coaching. Click on that, fill out the form, and I will be right in touch. Um, Thank you. So until next week, when we get to hear more from Marla, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.